0: There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Mix of Music podcast. I'm your host DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host Lou, the king of typos.
2: Yes. Yes, actually, I rely way too much on voice to text, and then I don't proofread my stuff. So sometimes I'm texting people very serious things, and they come out very questionable.
0: Yeah, very I like we were just we were just using ChatGPT to ask a simple question, and <laughs> ChatGPT was just was not able to get the question. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get into the episode. This is a good episode. This is going to be a Q and A episode. We got a few questions. What we're going to do is do what we always do, which is start answering these questions and then go 20 minutes past the end of the discussion mm-hmm. um, and then answer the next question and continue to go on tangents
2: until uh, we eventually die
0: if anybody asks we are professional tangent goers but um we're gonna this is uh something we do this every once in a while on discord join our discord channel damn it uh,
2: that was really mm. aggressive i mean but it's it's a it's a notion that i can honestly agree with
0: Yeah, get on our Discord channel because Discord server. um, And here's some questions that we got from our Discord server. This is the first time I'm reading these, and I'm looking through it right now. Some people have written paragraphs. So we're going to see what happened. And then after I asked, please ask questions, people were giving answers. People were giving answers and replies to the questions that people asked, which I think that just is like conceptually hilarious. Anyway. Anyway. This is from JP 42 on Discord. Hi. Hi, SkateBard. Hey. Why do people specialize in producing, mixing, or mastering? Why can't one person learn and do all three things proficiently?
2: I can tell you why right now. It's the same reason I don't have... Uh the chef at the restaurant serving the table and asking to seat people and asking them to give me my drink and then clean up the table and wash all the dishes and repeat the process. It's not efficient. And when you're trying to grow and scale your business, if you are the one that does everything, you have much less efficiency than those that are going to surpass you. But think about it this way. Like, honestly speaking, you can do it. You can. You can. And there's nothing wrong with doing that at the beginning stage, especially if you're growing. Um, but when you're looking to actually take on like much bigger projects, let's say like you want to produce for Nicki Minaj. Cool. Nicki Minaj's mixing engineer who only mixes is probably also significantly better than you and has, probably has a much faster turnaround time than you. Because instead of just passing off the project once you got it to the stage you needed to get to as you pass things off to the next person they've already worked on like five different projects where you're still working on the same one. Yeah. You know, it, it comes down to efficiency and your ability to work as a team member. Um, now, if you're trying to save money at the beginning stages, if you're an artist and you know how to do all these things, that's great. That means that you can actually save costs on things that maybe you don't need as much support in right now. Maybe you're only releasing 10 songs a year and you don't actually have any intention of working on it with anybody else. Cool. Take that money that you saved and put it into marketing, you know, make, make a better use of your financial uh, budget. But realistically, it's, it's not very efficient, nor is it uh, very fruitful as a, as something that you can do. You know, when you're trying to grow and scale.
0: So you're talking about the idea of like baskets. If your job is to fill up baskets with mm-hmm. apples.
2: Yeah. Are
0: you going to do, are you going to, is it better to fill up and you sell by the basket? Do you fill up one basket at a time? No, hold on. Wait, I'm saying this metaphor all wrong.
2: I'm, I'm saying this uh, metaphor all I, wrong. I'm not going to lie. I got lost r- right on. after that. Yeah.
0: If your job is to fill baskets. hmm is it better to focus on one basket at a time or five baskets at once? Like in the same amount of time, in a given time, you're going to fill up. I've lost the metaphor; it's gone. Anyway, the point is: the point is, if you have to focus on a lot of different things, you're not really focusing on anything. That's the mm-hmm. concept that you're kind of going to get um, into. I also think just like the general move of like a capitalist like marketplace. And this is something that we talked about a few episodes ago where, like, would you rather have the surgeon that specializes in your specific type of rare genetic condition that you have that mm-hmm. you're trying to get done? Or you you want, like, the best of the best g- generic practitioner? Yeah. Um, I want the dude that's less famous that has only worked on the thing that I do. Yeah. A 10 out of 10 times.
2: Like, if I was trying to go after Snarky, par- snarky Puppies uh, market as a musician and as a band leader and so-and-so, right— Well, even if I could mix and master and all that kind of stuff, why wouldn't I want to work with their engineer to make sure that I actually have the same quality sound? You know, I'm sure I can get just as close, but I'm sure that because this is all he does for that band and that band is kind of known for having this amazing sound, I kind of would want to work with their engineer, especially if that's the market that I'm after
0: so the other side of this is not just what you offer but what you get out of it which is most people don't like producing mixing and mastering there's usually parts where they gravitate to more like I like mixing a lot I don't like producing as much Mm -hmm. mastering I like too but mixing is my favorite thing right um that will naturally lead you to niche, make you a better job, have less baskets that you have to focus on, mm-hmm. um, and potentially earn more money because you specialize in that one thing. Yeah. So it's just, uh, I think it's, it's not a matter of whether you can from a skill perspective. I think that it is unwise to pursue that from a career perspective, mm-hmm. which is different. As a hobbyist, as someone who's not trying to make a career out of it, all fucking power to you. I think that's a great, I, I think, yeah, so hopefully that answers that question. You can, one person can learn to do all three things, three things proficiently. Yeah. Now to do, to do things also, there's a difference between proficient and like. Effective. What's the word? Skilled, proficient, and like highly skilled, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: like is different. Yeah. So I will say like, I mean, you can tell when someone is proficient at drawing and someone who's very highly skilled at drawing.
2: Yeah. You could tell that I draw worse than my three-year-old niece. Nice. Yeah, because I never do it at all.
0: <laughs> okay, so hopefully that answers that question. Um, this is from... Oh, gosh. R. Riahu, Um Oh, he just answered the question. Hopefully it's acceptable for me to put it in terms... Uh, put it... It put... Input on... What? Huh? Hopefully it's accessible for me to input this here. But I do remember DK and Lou talking about this on the podcast. And from what I recall, it's great to learn to do all of them proficiently. But from the perspective of a potential client, it's more attractive if you are branded as a specializing in a specific area that they will feel like you're definitely the person for them if that's a specific thing that they need. Yeah. That being said, I do kind of second this question as well because I'm curious if it it would be more attractive to your potential client to specialize in the full package if your ideal avatar is a person who wants to hire you to do all three.
2: Uh, yes. that's a great point yeah if your ideal avatar is that then yes of course because and you might be saving them money
0: it might depend on location like it, when I was in Utah the people mm. that were making the most money were, were people that were able to do the one stop shop yeah it's like it's like wealthy dads and moms that wanted to pay for this fairly talented what they believe is fairly talented child to record a record a single or an album yeah. or whatever um, it's easier for them to just Pay someone, one person, a lot of money to do everything Mm -hmm. than to figure out the process because they don't know the process. But in LA, that's less likely because everybody out here knows how it works.
2: Yeah. And the funny thing is, uh, a producer to me, a lot of times is the equivalent of like a GC when you're hiring for like home renovations or studio build outs and things like that. A GC could. Uh, actually, technically, should have knowledge on construction and material types and costs and labor laws and all that kind of stuff. Sure. It doesn't mean that they actually will do it themselves. Sometimes it's all about subcontracting and being educated enough to be able to call a bluff when you see people doing something that they shouldn't be doing. You know, if you hire a mastering engineer and all they did was throw a limiter on it and it's distorting, you just know enough about the mastering process to actually say, hey, this is actually wrong. Uh, my client wanted this and I'm the one responsible for the project. I cannot turn this in. Um, so yeah, you know, you should be able to do it and learn it yourself. But at a certain point, once you start scaling upward, part of that education really comes down to like your ability to use that to make better decisions and hire better people to help you get your time back. Nowadays I'm more about buying my time back than I am about saving a dollar.
0: There you go. Uh, lots of different thoughts on this. Hopefully that answers the questions there. It's not about ability. It partially is because if, I mean,
2: you gotta be able to tell the difference.
0: Yeah. There's nothing stopping you from being proficient at everything, assuming that you are equally passionate about something and there's nothing that's stopping you. Um, Skateboard JP42 asks another question. This is his response to this thread. We're gonna keep getting questions out of this long thread. So hopefully mm-hmm. I'm gonna read these. I've never read these before. I should have read them before, but thanks both. I get what you're saying, Ryahu, but I still don't understand. To elaborate, doesn't AI change a lot? If FL Studio will now master my song with AI, how hard is it really to master a song? Ooh, that's a
2: great mm-hmm. question. I'm attacked. No, I'm just kidding. I'm and if
0: FL is doing a paid version. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time before an open source free alternative comes along. If AI can do that, then there's no art or nuance to mastering. You just have to master the technique and memorize numbers. If I was a professional musician and I could pay one less person to release a quality product more quickly, I totally jump on it. I would do too. And I think mm-hmm. that's the first misassumption that we're making. Yeah. Uh, logical fallacy that we have here is that AI is doing a good job. Yeah. Um,
2: and here's the thing AI too. To it's like those, just the, doing a job.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. a, and I wonder the, the question beyond that is, will AI be able to eventually do a good job? And that's a whole nother question yeah. too. Same with mixing. And as a novice producer, if I can let AI handle the technical aspects, then I can focus on the creative side, and I can more quickly and easily put out quality, unique work and build a catalog more quickly than people going out to post production the traditional way. If so, I can hypothetically take on more on more clients and make more money than others. But I'm not a pro. Maybe I'm wrong about mixing or mastering, or maybe I'm overestimating the capabilities of AI. Maybe I have unrealistic expectations about what it takes to be a professional audio engineer and produce the quality of work. Quality work. As someone who respects DK and lose expertise and business acumen, I think it's more likely I'm ignorant of something.
2: Okay, so I, I just separate. wanna yeah, Over. I'm just I'm not gonna lie. I, I really appreciate that second half, not as like a professional that Heard his question and then he followed up with, but I could be wrong. It's just um, that question now has a foundation based on curiosity and a want to be educated on something, versus like poking the bear. Essentially, I will you know say though I mean? this
0: episode is not about how to ask questions. So <laughs> no, 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 but that's, <laughs> that was
2: that was that was insanely polite
0: yeah, was and s- humble of him to add aware self aware. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. first off, let's talk about AI. Yeah, um, I've done an episode that I recorded and I never released. Maybe I will if I go on vacation or something, and I need an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the backlogs about AI. Uh, there's a couple things that I think about. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I'm going to get out of the way is that we're assuming that AI and in, in this in the way that this is questioning is done, mixing and mastering. We're assuming that they do just as good of a job as a proficient human. Yeah. Um, and I think the answer for that. Mm -hmm. is not yet not yet not even close actually
2: i think uh i think there's been a lot of uh landscaping done with how effective it can be at certain parts of the work
0: i think it is like practical like yeah. if you don't know how to master if you don't want to master you don't know how to master and you just want to release music but at competitive levels just pop it in one of those things yep. fucking pump it out good because if you were going to do that if you were the type of person who was willing to do that then i have to be clear and say that then you were probably not my client yeah. like I, you're not taking money away from me the ai didn't take money away from me what ai did is bring awareness to people to people that are not quite yet at my level to mm-hmm. hire me what, what I'm doing is they're becoming aware of it and realizing the importance of it. And then eventually mm-hmm. when they do take this a little bit more seriously, it puts money in my pocket. Yeah. So it's like, it's actually making people more aware of the process. And I think that that's really good. I think it's also making, um, I mean, with these millions of releases every single day on Spotify, like I think it's making music more competitive, which I also think is always comp- more competition is a great thing.
2: Yep. It ups the bar. It yeah. literally ups the bar, I- which is how I've actually made money from AI. Um, I've actually had a couple clients that have come to me saying that, you know, we tried uh, releasing a song. This actually happened to somebody we both know. Um, they had a song. It was mixed and everything. And then uh, they had me uh, master the song. And then the the artist in question that was releasing the song saw on, I think it's like DistroKid or CD Baby, where there's like online mastering. It's just a final, the final, the the pitch is the final polish to make sure it's industry standard, make sure that it matches. Um, they clicked yes to it. They paid, like, the extra, like, 20 or 30 bucks that it is for it. Um, and then Matt took a listen to it, um, like, I think, like, a week later when the song came out or whatever, and he's like, this sounds nothing like my bounce. Like, this sounds nothing like the mix. Like, what is happening here? And then, like, he asked me to take a listen to it before and after. I'm like, this is not the file. I don't know what happened. And, uh, once we cow. found out, it was AI mastering.
0: There you go. Yeah, It I was don't, one of those things
2: where, like, there was no communication between ai and the and the artists of saying is this direction that you want it was just like we're ai we know better
0: there is another thing too where it's like um and this is, goes into beyond this. Like, I do think that AI will get really close. Like, right yeah. now, it's not quite close. And there's arguments that I could make. Where, for example, there's not enough money in music for anybody to really fund the generation or the improvement of AI mixing and mastering. Like, mixing as an industry does not make enough. It's not scalable enough for anybody to properly invest in the technology. Yeah. So it's gonna take. It's gonna be very very slow. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, I think what what's gonna happen is creators will use or uh, producers. Versus consumers. I mean, using mm-hmm. producers in that sense, producers of music will often, um, will use AI as tools, which we'll get into later, yeah. um, and, and help improve their craft or to speed up their craft. Uh, I don't think it's going to replace anything. I don't think as of right now, I don't think AI can get as good as humans because the one thing that is always going to be true about music is that at the end of the day, it is an art form. And the only thing AI can do is to guess based on past previous works and the history of things what it would be like. So you have to input something in order to output something. And the thing with mixing is that it's not it's just like chord progressions or song analyses it's not mm-hmm. you can't just pump it in and pump it out even if ai is able to think of its own yeah it still has to like there's something beautiful about like selective uh selective influences where like you only listen to these other other genres these mm-hmm. few genres and that like that input of selective uh through your own personal filters and biases yeah and through your own personal taste can create this emotional creation, right? Yeah. AI knows everything, understands everything. And even if they have the context of genre and decade and, and uh, yeah, like time-wise, eras, yeah. technology. Even if they have all the context, like emotion is something that it can't quite output yet. And I don't think it ever will.
2: No, I don't think so. And especially when you consider, like you said, it, it's emotion, right? But what,
0: Like you call a
2: response but, question here. Um, R&B, what part R&B. of R&B what gives of R&B? you the most emotional reaction in the mix? Not not including performance. What sonically speaking, where does your perception of emotion exist? It, it could be an element. Emotion. It could be a range. It can be not including performance, not not the belting of the note. Just if you were AI mixing and you can only go off of sonic representation and transient information.
0: I would, yeah, the, the logical conclusion is to do a song that did well and match its frequency spectrum. or but match But how match would you it match it
2: to- its emotion? That's why this question was specifically, where does the emotion come from you?
0: No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. AI yeah. would have to base it off of something else that's already been done and would have to put it into a
2: template. They can't determine it. I guess, uh, like, for me, it'd be like the low-mids and a vocal perception of depth and where they are in the mix like if they're far away and that makes it feel like oh my god i'm drifting into this nothingness it's a sad song or if they're really up close and like almost wanting to cry and you feel that low mid rumble it's very dry it's very that's a little bit
0: unfair because that low mid does come from the performance
2: no no no. but that's what i'm saying like if if it's not the performance itself it's just spectrum it's just amplitude it's just transients if AI cannot tell. I don't the difference think. Between I don't think. I don't
0: think. I don't think you could split those up, which is part of the reason why yeah. AI AI can't do it.
2: Yeah, but that's why I don't think it's going to just yet. Yeah, I think once it starts to be able to denote, like, okay, um, an inflection upward is more like a question, and an inflection downward is more of a statement, like uh, the Hans
0: Zimmer masterclass commercial. What's
2: it? Uh, what it? An answer. Oh, the, the the minor and major. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Um, but it's one of those where it's like. Um, Once it gets to the emotional state, I think it will stand a much better chance at, like, really creating a problem in the industry. But right right now, most of the decisions it makes is not based on emotion.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.
0: So it's like yeah I assume eventually I think it's going to be a slow thing and honestly we're assuming that we're assuming that humans will stop progressing too. And the thing is like what we're doing at this point as well is because of technology yes we're progressing a little bit like objectively progressing like the clarity of audio the fidelity mm-hmm. is a lot better but also like it's mostly taste. Yeah. Like an AI will not if there was if AI did all the mixing, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have hyper distorted tracks like triple X did to get yeah. it. Famous. You wouldn't have a Billie Eilish record that sounds hyper distorted at the end because that's not a decision AI would make. That's off of like silliness that the producer and the yeah. mixer felt like that really represented the emotions of the song. And they did things wrong on purpose. Like that's yeah. not something AI can do.
2: Yeah. You know that, Maybe, uh, Banks record I not, always reference at least not
0: right now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It has the really, really distorted drums at the end. Uh, I was, just honestly really enjoy this memory of being at Vintage King, trying out the the new massive Genelex And uh, I'm like, I just really want to hear this song on these. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. And once it got to that end, everybody's like, he's blowing the speakers. I'm like, no, that's actually the mix. The The speakers are not blowing. It's the mix is blowing. Yeah. And I really like it because it, it shows me like this bit of information that normally you don't get. You would only hear this if you really distorted the living shit out of drums. But I really like it. But A.I. would not, give me those drums like if you imported all the stems and everything unless those stems came pre-distorted it probably also wouldn't make them as loud and as impactful as it did at the end of the song
0: yeah yeah i I will say this though i do know a few people that um that are within the industries that were and are currently striking Mm um that Think that there's no place at all for AI. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really dumb take on it.
2: I think so too. I think that's a
0: really low IQ take. And and the real reason is because at the end of the day, it's going to change no matter what happens. And it's mm-hmm. it's it's too far gone. We've passed that threshold. It's going to be its own thing, and it's going to yeah. happen whether you like it or not. Yeah. And so it's better to think, f- figure out your way to t- make use out of it than to complain about it. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, obviously there. America, as far as like writing and, and the strike and the resolutions that the big studios made, there were human protections made. Elon Musk talked about the importance of like creating protections, uh, just influences in general, technology influences in general, talked about the importance of protecting human jobs
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and how that's going to be a big issue. Um There's actually a
2: really useful one that's out right now. But I don't
0: think you should look at it pessimistically. And I think that that's a choice that you make. It's going to happen regardless whether you like it or not. And the ones that are going to win out of this change are the ones who accept it and pivot with it. It, It's not going to be the ones who complain and wish they want to go back. Those are the ones that get left behind. So So I will say that. and. I don't want to make this episode about AI, but the last thing that it says on the subject of AI, I'd like to know how, how if and how the pros, as pros you think you might be able to harness their power to improve your workflow and what are the latest advancements you've tried?
2: Actually, that's one I was about to bring up. Uh, So there's one that I recently found out. I was checking out the Mix of the Masters website, just saying if I wanted to get like a few months of it, just to watch some videos I haven't watched in a while. I don't know what I did with my old account, so I don't know what I did with the videos I bought. But um, I was like, fuck it. It's $25 a month for the service. Sure. Okay. But, and then I noticed it said, oh, it comes with some AI plugin. I'm like, what AI plugin is this? Is this like Isotope? uh, What is it? Master Assistant or something like that. No, they actually showed me one that I did not know is in beta right now. It's actually free. So it comes with the service whatever, sure, but it's it's already free. So you don't need mix with the masters for this. You can go straight to them. I forget what it's called, but if you go to the website, you'll find it. But essentially you drop the files in. It could be audio underscore 27, audio underscore 28, and you know, and it'll actually listen to the information and it'll relabel the file for you and tell you what the information is. It'll tell you if it's a synth pad, a triangle. Oh, wave that's
0: fucking useful. Kind of thing.
2: If it's a kick, if it's a snare, um, it will actually relabel every single track for you and actually tell you, um, you can put prompts in and categories. So you can say well, look drums, it up. Look it up. Kick. Find out
0: what this is because yeah. like, if that's real, that that is awesome.
2: Yeah, I found also, it. Also, we do
0: have to clarify of like what, there's a difference between algorithms that automate different parts, parameters, and then there's like AI, artificial yeah. intelligence. Um, so one thing is, I use ChatGPT all the time for the descriptions of this podcast, like writing blogs, doing yeah. like transcribing things, whatever, coming up with better SEO centric names for these. Episodes. I actually
2: have used it to convert a script I was asked to do in Spanish uh, that was originally in English. They are like, "Can you rewrite this whole thing?" And I'm like, "Sure." D- I just prompted it in, and anything that was wrong, I corrected because AI still didn't get like the linguistic nature of like cultural differences.
0: We also uh, prompted AI to explain what a compressor does in like a Cholo accent. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I read that.
2: I'm not going to lie. That one was fun. That was funny. So <laughs> Holmes?
0: Yeah, so uh, that, that was funny. So like, I mean, I think we use it all the time, but I mean, I think it's more about the importance of like automation in general. Um, and I think that we should use them to our advantage. I don't think you should be fearful of it. There's no practical reason to be fearful of it because the change is going to happen whether or not you like
2: it. here it it is. Stemport. Stemport is your virtual assistant. The application identifies the instrument contained in each multitrack stem, labels the files with the instrument plus whatever preset naming convention you set, and organizes your stems to your preferences. Received unbalanced, uh, received unlabeled slash mislabeled stems, no stress. Sending your stems to a collaborator, save time for both you Uh, for both of you no more label as you produce workflow necessary actually no label as you produce fuck that last one Um, but still if there's like a recording session and you're moving fast you got three writers in the room two artists and the producers are all telling you faster 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 and you honestly don't have time to label everything fine use stem port right after though like save your ass that'll get people to be lazy though too anyway yeah.
0: um Then we have someone Farzam just answers the questions. So I'm not gonna.
2: Farzam's answering questions? Yeah, so I'm not
0: gonna I'm not gonna read that.
2: I noticed Farzam is very good at being like active in like community group stuff.
0: Yeah, okay. So this is from USF Bull's Horns Up. Thank you for the opportunity. Would you be willing to let us know what you set your output to on your final limiter and if you use true peak limiting and or oversampling?
2: Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah, I mean... Kind of depends on what the client needs on the final output because sometimes they're after a specific like loop, but like the compression might be already very aggressive and that's what they like. So maybe you're just dropping the output. Sometimes it's just really dependent on that one, but true peak all the time for me. Um, yes, but what was the other question? There was a third one Oversampling on the limiter. Um. Yes, but I usually don't do more than two X. Usually it, it just becomes like a, if you over sample on one plugin and it down samples after that, and then you oversample on the next one and then you downsample, and then you oversample, and then you, and then you downsample.
0: down sample. It down uh, it, it, it it samples on the output of the plugin. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so um, like if you
2: do that mul- throughout like multiple stages, like I can only. No, no, it's in that
0: single plugin. It goes through it. Up-samples, no, I know. It and but let's say, say that you were to yeah. do
2: it on like, let's say, um, soothe. For
0: no, instance, there's a, there's a reason yeah. why it's called fullback distortion, but we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that in just a second here. Uh, basically in general, this is one of the few times where I'm going to say like a hard yet. Yeah, if you have the, if your limit, not every limiter has a true peak limiting option. If it does turn that shit on, turn that shit on. There's something mm-hmm. called inter-sample distortion. What happens is, is that during sample points, the, from point to point it is inferred where the curve goes and sometimes there are moments when you bounce it and although it never goes past zero it can the infer the inferred peak can uh, between samples can go past zero and distort there are many records that we've both heard that on yep. our phone we play it on our phone and play it on the computer it's like all of a sudden why is it distorting so much when on in the DAW playback the summed yep. The sum uh, difference was not distorting. It's yeah. because of inter-sample distortion. Sometimes it's really bad. So most of the time, it's really, really subtle. Um, but just avoid it. What If you do not have a limiter that does not have inter, uh, Sorry, true peak limiting, then I would recommend having an output volume of minus zero. I usually
2: one. say one decibel. Yeah, one. Yeah. One
0: dB. Minus one. Minus yeah, one. If dB. you're doing
2: true peak, you can go as far as point one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're doing true peak, you can go to point one. I always, I think it's just like out of habit to do both, so I have a little bit of headroom because the difference between like I do zero point four, yeah. even with true sample on, true sample peak on, just in case, you know, just really don't want to do it. Yeah. And when it, when you, if you do have limiters that either produce distortion or harmonics, or that do not have inter-sample distortion, you want to do oversampling. Yeah. And the reason is this. With harmonic distortion, well, this is one of the problems with uh, um, plugins, modulation of harmonics, and without a picture, I can't do this. There's um, a bunch of YouTube channels that talk about, what did I call it? Oh, I'm, I'm missing. I just said it, and now I'm forgetting. inter Not inter-sampled, but wave... Freak! I forgot. I literally just said, and I forgot what I just said. Anyway, um, there's a type of distortion, foldback distortion. There it is, foldback distortion, where harmonics is supposed to go up, but in digital domains without upsampling, it folds back. It kind of resets, and it adds extra harmonics in that top end, which is part of the reason why oversampling exists. Um, if you do a times two, that should, especially if you're in 48, that should be more than enough. Uh, but typically, um, if you really, really want to get rid of it. Um I would do uh times four. That's a really great reason. That's specific to anything that creates harmonic distortion um, or does not do over uh does not have a true peak limiter because the oversampling does help uh remove um intersample distortion because it creates more sample points. So, less uh, less chances for it to infer that the peak goes over zero. So, um, yes, with final limiters, do oversample. That's a really good idea. My, plus times two or uh, times four if you can. I always do times four. So, that's something... I wonder
2: if the notion is the same because uh, I master at 96 most times. Uh, if you're at 48 times four, you would essentially land at 192 anyways. Because uh, I, I haven't looked into the times two times four more or less distortion on it does that is that more based around 192 sample ranges or is that just times four as an algorithm
0: no, it's, it's, it's based off of just getting a few octaves past 48.
2: Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. So it's, it's literally just, um, it's just dependent on what you're, yeah. So if your you're on 41, rate,
0: 48, so if you're yeah. on, if you're mastering at 192, you don't need to oversample okay. your, your, your session is
2: oversampled,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but I think that's, that's something that, uh, you should consider. Um, so really do like that. And I, um, you can hear it. Yeah, that's that is actual practical information. Like I will tell you if it's bullshit that you can't hear it. It's just not practical. That is one of those things that it's like really easy to do and is practical.
2: Yeah, so, I just okay. never tested the whole times two times four. That's why I was like, I wonder if it's based around. Oh, the it's super. That that is super. Or if marginal. it's based on the yeah. yeah yeah.
0: It's super marginal. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, also, I just on that note, um, I would recommend. Mm, never mind. I'm gonna shut up. Okay. Uh... Let's see. Next question here. Man, we got everybody. Yahoo. Thank you for submitting these questions. I got another question. Let's do the email one first. I got an email that I have not responded to. I'm realizing. Uh-oh. I need to respond to. I got this email a week ago. Samuel Floyd. So Samuel Floyd mixing at Gmail. So thanks, Sam Floyd. Appreciate you reaching out. Um, I'm reading this for the first time right now. So if you're listening to the pod, I apologize for being late on responding. But he says, um, let's see. Hold on. I'm going to. Episode request, car mix, phone mix, headphone mix, best speaker mix. When do I go too far checking all of them? And what is your process for translation? Wait, say that again? So uh, car mix, phone mix, headphone mix, Bose speaker mix. When do I go too far checking all of them? So what? What's too much as far as all these reference mixing and these reference playback devices? I have a good response. And then, what is your process for translation?
2: Um, Every speaker I've ever heard sounds different. Whether it's in the studio, whether it's in a car, whether it's at the store, whether it's at a convention, every speaker I've ever heard sounds different. So. Part of translation is not falling into the idea that it has to sound perfect on every single speaker. Some speakers just sound like shit, period. Take NS10s, for instance. Um, Yes, they are very, very actively used in the studio world, and they do actually help some people. I have not felt the same with them, and because of that, I cannot just say, oh, well, it translated perfectly on NS10s, because I'll always think it sounds bad on NS10s um so there comes a point where you have to kind of look at your translation and just say well can I listen to other references on the same speaker system and does it still go toe-to-toe with said references if I'm trying to say mix a record and have it sound like Doja Cat's Woman and I've uh used the same set of speakers technically as like some of the songs that were mixed for her by her engineer because you know I have somehow ended up with his speakers um but if i were to go listen to it in the car and it still sounds nothing like a woman in my car then that just means that even though i have the same speakers to reference on i myself am not mixing it to a point where it's going to translate well enough if you go into the car and listen to the song and compare it to whatever song you referenced against then they sound similar and they're close to each other It's going to translate nonetheless because the idea is not necessarily that it has to sound perfect in every location. It's just that you have a consistent result. If you have a sub turned up in your studio and that's what makes you think you have more bass and then you go to your car and you have less bass, then you need to listen to those reference tracks both in your studio and the reference tracks in your car and see how they go toe-to-toe with each other because your car sounds different than DK's car sounds different than my car. You know, so it's not that you have to reference on a million speakers. It's that you have to get good at knowing what those references are showing you in each environment. When I go to a new studio and I'm hired to work out of a different space than I normally do, I use the same songs um, um, Till Now by Banks uh, to tell me what I need to know about the mid-range in that room. Um, As long as I know the songs that I listen to all the time and I'm familiar with what they sound like, and I can listen to it on a different speaker and then tell myself, Oh, you know what? This sounds good. Or this doesn't sound good. Or it's even close in the range to it. Then I'll be fine. But you know, having six different sets of speakers could be very distracting and could actually hurt your translation more than you think.
0: Yeah. So uh, just piggybacking on this uh, translation, what's the point of translation? Translation is basically the idea is like you get a mix right and translates across all things. So like yeah. it sounds good on the AirPods, it sounds good in the car, it sounds good on your mixing speakers or whatever. Um I think that translation is kind of like a silly concept. For example, the speakers in your car and the acoustics of how your closed door car works.
2: Surrounded in glass. Yeah,
0: surrounded in glass is just wildly different than how the music is going to... Even with the same exact speakers, it's going to sound wildly different in a situation where you're in a large room or in an auditorium or from a stage, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What that means, what I think translation, in your mind, I think everybody who is worried about translation is that it shouldn't feel off. Meaning, if I go from song to song and I hit next on Spotify and I hit next... And then I get to your song, and it sounds wildly different from any song that I was playing before. That is bad translation. Yeah. So for example, typically, car stereos sound like shit. Way too much low end, not enough mid-range, too much top end in a lot of cases. So it's like the mid-range is super scooped, and the the low end is way too rumbly. If I were to make a mix sound good in the car, I will probably give it too little bass... Mm -hmm. Too much mid-range and too little top-end. It'll sound good in the car. It'll sound like perfect for the car. Then I put played in the speakers, and all of a sudden, it's like, "Whoa, where's the bass? Why is there so much mid-range? Why is there so much top-end, or why so little top-end?" Right? And so the point is, it's not you're trying not to make it sound good out of that singular source. You're trying to make it sound similar uh, in reference to everything else that's already out there. A good mix and a good mixer will be invisible. Meaning that if if anybody listens to your song, they won't ever have to think about how the kick drum and snare is mixed, unless they're Mm -hmm. really nerdy. Um, They'll just be able to feel the song, enjoy the song. Yeah. And so so when you have a reference pair of studio monitors, part of that, you need to do the homework of referencing beforehand, figure out what good music sounds like through your speakers— and understand your speakers and by the the reason why the car mix exists is because you've probably listened to more songs casually in your car so when the bass is rumbling too much you know because you've listened to so much songs and you know you've referenced to other songs before so Don't worry about translating to make the song sound good in the car. The point of translation is to make it sound similar, relatively culturally similar to everything else so it's not distracting. That's the point of translation. Um, I do think that using too many reference points, a car mix, a phone mix, a headphone mix, a Bose speaker mix, etc., 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 I think using too many reference points is actually... Uh, detrimental and more confusing than it is helpful and i i genuinely think that if you take the time to reference and study tonal balance and study mixes on a singular source Mm -hmm. then you don't have to use any other alternative listening playback device
2: yeah to be honest like i think the most i do right now is my strauss and my airpod maxes reason being is like uh, every time I go to the gym, I can at least count 10 AirPod Maxes in that gym actively listening to music. You know what I mean? So the funny thing is— Well, how
0: often do you use your AirPod Maxes?
2: Every day. Okay. So So,
0: that's the important part. It's not about what other people are using.
2: No, but part of it is like if you're concerned with like consumer translation, you should probably hear what they hear. You know, and that's the most of it. Like not everybody has both speakers, but almost everybody with an iPhone has AirPod's.
0: Yeah, you make it sound good and relevant to everything else, then it'll naturally sound good on all devices because, yeah. again, good is subjective based on what was played before. Yeah. Um so just make sure that it's culture like the sound of it is culturally relevant to the time to the era to the technology to the genre um, and studying that and reflecting upon that is more important than checking on your headphones or checking in the car and for example like I never check in the car because I know if I can get a mix sounding perfect on these speakers because I know these speakers so fucking well that anytime that I, if it sounds good here I know it's gonna sound good in the car and I've not a single time have I gone to the car which I listen to music significantly less I mm-hmm. don't really Drive that often. I don't commute to, I don't commute, you know, so it's like I don't listen to music as much as my car. Yeah. And so by the time I get to the car, it sounds equally unfamiliar. I'm like, I don't know if this is off or not because I don't listen to music in the car. But I do sometimes on occasion check on, if I'm really feeling insecure, I'll check on AirPods because I listen to music casually on my AirPods. And that's not because everybody else is using AirPods. That's because I know what music sounds like through my AirPods. And if it sounds good, it's just sound good and there's no issues. But 99.99999% of the time. I will even go as far as to up to say 100% of the time that it sounds good on my speakers even when I'm second guessing myself I've taken the time to practice and to understand my speakers so well that if I get it right on the speakers even if I'm not feeling well about, good about it it'll sound good on the headphones also remember that
2: translation is also kind of a communication of emotional intent behind the mix or the master um, recently I don't know if you saw I think it was Dale Becker that posted in his story saying about how he celebrates the many different engineers in the industry both mixing and mastering Um, and doesn't actually see himself as competition with one or the other because so many people apply a level of taste behind things like what he does is not in competition of like i need more bass unless that's what the record calls for and things of that nature so when you're listening on different reference points it's pretty easy to like listen to a frequency sonic character and say like oh well their record has more bass it's like but did that bass help translate the record so when you're using the term translation just make sure that you're also acknowledging that there's an emotional intent behind a record and that your bass your top and your mid range does not have to match exactly to other records you just have to make sure that you know you're in the same ballpark at the very least you know but if your song calls for like crazy distorted bass then that's what it calls for
0: okay this is the last one for this episode i think this is from shame sounds on our hashtag no dumb questions shame or shame shame Oh, shame sounds. Oh, shit. Uh, shame me. Can you explain if possible? I'm always afraid of using parallel send for the likes of compression, distortion, or any creative technique. The reason being is that I feel like my signal is going to mask itself or cause phasing issues when I blend the parallel and the dry signal together. I do use reverbs and delay sends because they are not the exact same signal coming out, so it's randomized. Anyways, I appreciate any explanation I can get. Um, that's an interesting question.
2: I actually really like parallel, personally.
0: I'm wondering... I. I'm inter I, that's interesting. I don't know if I know the answer stri- I don't think I've ever thought
2: about this before. So, one way you can look at it is I mean, technically
0: um, that's true. You can.
2: You can impart it, but it depends uh so consider linear and nonlinear EQs as as a reference point on this. Yeah, one. that's like, why
0: you would use linear EQs,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, there's also linear compression. Um, but there's also like Timeline. Hold on!
0: Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Pause! 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 I need to. Fa- I need to. I've never. I've to fa-
2: so, when you think about like how, um, if you're going to compress one signal next to it and it's off by a millisecond, you're still going to get phasing coming out of it. So, parallel compression. Okay. Should parallel not be a phase compression issue. should
0: not cause cause phase yeah. issues, but it depends on one particular setting in your DAW: automatic yeah. delay compensation. So, assuming so, that it doesn't change the timing of it.
2: Yeah. Like I was saying, like the one millisecond off, that could cause it. Yeah. But when it comes to that, like it's like you're not really doing anything that's like non-linear. It's not going to be out of phase naturally. It's only going to happen if you're off even one millisecond.
0: Yeah. So compression is just amplitude, so it just makes the peaks smaller, but it shouldn't change the. It shouldn't. It change shouldn't. But the this shift is where it can. But uh,
2: yeah, saturation. and you'll, you'll hear it.
0: You'll hear it, yeah, saturation. But um, yeah. but that'll just create. Anyway, More harmonics. We're gonna yeah. um another thing too yeah. is that it's pretty obvious when something is not time aligned because yeah. it'll like this happens all the time if you use like pro tools or if you don't automatically compensate the delay for analog gear you go back in yeah. you parallel you go out you hear comb filtering yeah which is really obvious it sounds fucking please off please
2: get your shit together
0: yeah yeah it's really obvious so um uh with parallel compression, any sort of compression, assuming that there's not crazy amounts of harmonic t- distortion or like, uh, and we're talking like a lot, or a huge tonal shift, um, there should be no, and there's, it's all timeline, there should be no phase shifting. The, yeah. the only thing that does is EQs, which is why that's the only time where you might consider using linear phase EQ is when you parallel an EQ. But here's the thing, my thought on this mm-hmm. Instead of doing a parallel EQ, mm-hmm. why don't you just fucking, instead of doing plus four dBs, just mm-hmm. do plus two dBs? Like go half on the EQ. <laughs> so
2: I do have a thought on that too. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are compressors that have tone shifting knobs. That's where you can find it sometimes. So for instance, like uh, I think the VLC. This thing, the cream. Yeah, the, the cream. cream. The uh, audio. You could do cream. a top end push, right? But if and it's a non linear EQ. Then you could, through this compressor, cause uh, phasing. So that that is one factor. It depends on what you're doing with it. So that's why I was saying, like, if it's linear, then it should be fine. But if there's any kind of nonlinearity processes you're doing with it then yeah, you could technically go out of phase. Linear EQs, you're not going to have that issue, which is why they always say when you're doing like overheads or top under snare kind of EQ moves, if it's uh, a non-linear EQ, you could technically phase out due to your EQ. But, you know, sometimes that's kind of part of the sound. You know, you got to play with it. Sometimes going out of phase a little bit, maybe causing some comb filtering, actually kind of, creates a character sometimes so i wouldn't say be afraid of it but i would say just take a listen to it and if there is an issue just make sure you're running things that will keep it linear Um, outside of that honestly speaking like why put a top end boost on a parallel send sometimes you're over compressing something to the point where you just need a little bit of extra push and because it's so statically there you're just adding like an extra weight in a certain range you could do saturation all the same though you could just use saturn and choose that range and saturate that range but if you're just adding a push on uh, uh like say 10k on a hyperly compressed something where there's no dynamics anyways really the compressor already saturated that range anyways in a sense and you're just pushing more of that frequency just use saturn
0: um i will say just just to avoid confusion i hate to do this um uh there's no such thing as as um, linear phase compression. Just to just to be clear, yeah, there's no there such thing that. as that. Yeah. Um,
2: so it's just if you have an EQ on the compressor and you're using that process, you have to be aware of said EQ. And
0: there, there's yeah. So linear anyway. Yeah. Linear phase. EQ in general is like a high as a hot topic among mastery engineers. Just in general, even in the Fab Filter manual, the Fab Filter Pro Q3, it says linear phase EQ is not recommended. Don't use it ever, unless this one specific scenario when you some for some reason are parallel paralleling a signal.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or when you're using midside.
0: Yeah. So it's like uh just just uh it's it sounds worse. It's not better. Stop using it as a default and stop posting on TikTok that linear phase is a better better eq and everybody should default to linear face because that's that's actually misinformation it's wrong how Um, dare you anyway uh i think that's it for the questions today thank you so much for listening this episode is sponsored by the mixed music podcast go to slash exclusive for more episodes two extra episodes every single fucking week about technical tips, mixing and mastering with with, with homework and things. We appreciate anybody that's signed up for that. It's $4 a month, $40 a year. Uh, for less than the price of a cup of coffee a month, you get extra, two extra episodes every single week. So thank you so much for anybody that's subscribed to that. Uh, we love you. Thank you. Um, the second thing is one free way to help us out is just leaving a five-star review. Whether you're listening on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc., et um, leave a five-star review. Go to MixingMusicPodcast.com. Uh, for extra free resources and pdfs um, giveaways emails sick stuff and um, sponsors we have like discounts to plugins and shit so like go check it out there's lots of goodies on there that i think will you will be selfishly self mutually selfishly interested in yeah. so on that note thank you for so much for listening happy mixing my friends and stay saucy